Let's pray. Father, thank you that this morning we can raise a hallelujah. We can lift up our voices in praise. We can give you all the glory and the honor. Lord, fear disappears. Lord, these things are defeated in our lives as we lift up our worship and our praise to you. Let that be occurring right where we are this morning, in our homes, or maybe we're in our cars and we're listening. Maybe we're walking with our smartphone. Wherever we might be, I pray that we would just raise a hallelujah. We would give you honor and praise. Now, Lord, we pray this morning you would do great things in these moments that we have together in your word. We declare your love over us. We thank you for everything you have done. And Lord, we're excited for what you're going to do in us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm so glad that you could join us today. Blessings to you and to your family. I trust that today's a good day and that the weekend is a good weekend. And what better way to, to take some time on a, on a Sunday morning and come together worshiping God and then walking through a wonderful passage of Scripture in His Word. So we're going to do that together. But before we get into it, just one real quick reminder. This afternoon at 5 p.m., we're having our, our communion together. It's going to be a delightful time. And, and that's by way of Zoom. So if you haven't, for some reason, received that link, that invite, please let us know as soon as possible. And we'll make sure that you get that Zoom link. In fact, you could go right to the comments right now and say, hey, please add me. And I am one of our staff will make sure that you get an invite to that communion this afternoon at 5 p.m. Really looking forward to sharing that time with you. You know, over the last, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 years or so, I've become, I am here I'm gonna confess, I have become and I am a country music fan. Now, look, I, I, here's, here's, what I, here's what I know. You, you, some of you out there are too. You're out there. I know you are. You enjoy country music as much as I do. Well, there was a song a few years ago, I, I, and I just, had to, I just had to share the lyrics with you this morning because it is so, it's just so good. Well, I won't say anymore. Just listen to these words of a song titled, you ready? Pray For You by Jaron Lowenstein. So listen to these words. I haven't been to church since I don't remember when. Things were going great till they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher and he told me what to do. He said you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord let the good Lord do his job. You just pray for them. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. Now, what? I'm sorry. I, I know prayer is kind of the, the topic of that, but let's just be honest. I think we can do better than that when we talk about prayer. And so today we're going to talk about prayer. And, you know, never to make light of it, but you know, there, is, there is something very substantive about that silly song. It, it raises this point of prayer. 
And each of us, probably in our own place, in our own ways, we, we understand how important prayer is. But I want to leave this thought with you today. And if you, if you, I, I trust you'll get a lot out of the message today. But if you don't get anything else, get this. Prayer is essential to have joy regardless. I, I desperately need to have a life that is filled with prayer. That, my, that I'm characterized as a person of prayer. It, it just has to be and essential in my life, and it is, should be in yours as well. The series of messages that we're in is titled Joy Regardless, and we are walking our way through the book of Philippians. Now, the book of Philippians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Philippi, and he's writing about joy and rejoicing while he sits in the middle of a prison, a Roman jail. Now, that's pretty significant. And what is also significant is that prayer plays a very vital role in, in his, his life at this moment. In fact, if you go back to Acts chapter 16, verse number 25, this is what you read. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing songs to God as the other prisoners listened. Now, if you recall a couple weeks ago when we talked about how this church came together in Philippi, that's one of those significant events. That was in a Philippian jail. And Paul and Silas are doing what? After they have been beaten, their feet, their hands, they're in stocks. That's, I, I can't even imagine having to try and just sit that way or, or endure any length of time in stocks, but that's where they are. And, you find, and we find them praying and singing, praying. You, you see, prayer is an integral part of Paul's life. It's an integral part of everything that he is and that he would do. Now, if you fast forward 10 years to now the, this, this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, prayer remains very much in the center of this book, of this letter. And I, what we want to do this morning is we want to look at just three verses, beginning at verse number nine. So look at, with, look at it with me in Philippians chapter one, beginning at verse nine. Now, if you have the Uversion app open, I trust you do. You can follow along. There are notes there and a variety of good resources for you. For once, so once again, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and I'm reading this morning from the New Living Translation. Here's what Paul says. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Father, thank you for your word. Speak life to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In last week's message, I just made a very casual and very brief reference to a little phrase that it was my phrase, a prayer of joy. A prayer of joy. Paul says some things about uh, his prayer life or his prayer as he prays for the Philippians. And he says, I always pray. I'm praying for you and I always pray with joy. That was his phrase. And it's really, really significant. Now when you move to verse number nine and you go to another translation of this passage, say, let's say for example, I think it's the New International that would say it this way. And this is my prayer. So if you go back, where he says, I always pray with joy. When I pray for you, I always pray with joy. And then he says, now this is my prayer. So 
the way that I look at that is, okay, this is his prayer of joy. This is how he joyfully prays for these friends in Philippi. Now, I'm going to give you in just a minute some, some things that Paul prays for. But before we do that, I want to give you just a couple of things that I think are very foundational to understanding how, how Paul prays. And I think they're really good for us. The, the first thing that we learn here is that Paul prays, Paul prays with others in focus. That is really, that's really important. You know, he says, in all my prayers for you, this is back up in verse number three, he's in all my prayers for you. He's praying for others. He's others first. It's, he's focused on other people. Now, I'm very confident Paul didn't just, he didn't ignore his own needs, and I'm sure he prayed for himself and the needs that he would experience, and I'm absolutely confident of that. He was, I'm sure he was diligent in that way, but I will tell you, he was also very diligent in praying for others. And you can see that as you read his letters in the New Testament, there's always these statements, I'm praying for you. I remember you in my prayers. It's really powerful. And I'm really convinced this morning that when we're others first in our prayers, when we're focused on others, it's a real key to having joy regardless. And one of the ways that we can look at that is found in a letter that Paul wrote to the Galatian church. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2, Paul says this, share each other's troubles and problems, and so obey the Lord's, our Lord's command. You see, we're sharing, when we're praying for others, we're, we're praying maybe for the challenges that they're walking through. Can I, honestly, I can be really me-centered. We probably all can. And when I, when I turn my focus away from me, and I begin to focus on others more than myself, something comes alive in my spirit. And I think, here's what happens. I think we begin to, how would you say, we, we begin to praise more and ask less. Now, I may be asking, but I'm not asking specifically for me. It gets, it gets me a greater focus on those around me more than me, and I think that's significant. In fact, Philippians, a little later in the book of Philippians, Paul would write this, don't be selfish, and this is chapter two, verse three. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, look at this, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. What a great balance there. But Paul was focused on others. That's one of the foundational things. The other one is this, is that Paul prayed with the right motives. He said this, I always pray with joy. I don't know. I, I probably would have to confess. I don't know that I always pray with joy. I, I should. I, I'm sure I should. We all should. But I love that statement because it says something about the priority of Paul's prayers. And, and we, shouldn't, we shouldn't just cast aside our motives when we pray. My motives... Your motives, our motives need to be right and pure when we pray. James would say it this way. He says, and even when you ask, you don't get, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. Man, Lord, let my motives be right. Let that which motivates my prayer be right before you. You see, our motives are critical to effective praying. To pray with right motives, how do we do that? Can I make a suggestion? How about we declutter our lives? 
How about we declutter our lives? Now, in, real, in my real life, in my everyday life, I don't like clutter. I, don't, I just don't do well with clutter. And really, I shouldn't even tolerate clutter in my spiritual life. And sometimes that clutter shows itself as things that aren't particularly pleasing to God. So God, let me clear up that clutter. God, help me clean up that clutter so that everything within my life honors you and, and gives you the opportunity to, to pray through me to, for that my, so that my prayers are the very best they can be, that my motives are clean, that my, right, my life is right before you. James goes on and he would say this in verse 16 of chapter 5. He said, the earnest prayer, look at this, of a righteous person, a person whose life has been decluttered spiritually, has great power, and look at this, it produces wonderful results. That's what I want in my prayer life. That's what I want for your prayer life. So Paul takes these two things. He has, he's very careful to pray for others. He's an others first type of prayer. He's focused on others more than himself. And his motives are right. So as we kind of move now into what Paul prays for, there are three things that I see so, that are just spectacular. They really help us in our praying. And really, I think all of us, I don't know about you, but I, I, well, I won't say I know about you. I know about me. I can always enhance my life of prayer. I can be better as I pray. Keeping being others focused and having the right motives are going to help me. And now there's some things that we're going to pray for. Three things specifically. Number one, Paul prayed for overflowing love in the lives of the Philippians. Overflowing love. Or you could say it this way. He, he, another translation would say, I want your love to abound more and more for it to be plentiful. Overflowing love. Now, last year a group of uh, young adults got together and they wanted to set a world record for something called, <laughs> you ready for this? Elephant toothpaste. Now, it's not toothpaste for elephants, okay? But that's what it's called. I, I okay, elephant toothpaste, whatever. But here's what it, here's what it means. A, re, a world record of taking some certain chemicals, hydrogen peroxide, sulfur iodide, all right? Let me get them all right. Hydrogen peroxide, not sulfur, excuse me, sodium iodide, food coloring, and then liquid detergent. And I think that's all the ingredients. And so they they put these massive amounts of those ingredients, and when they're combined with this reagent, as it were, something happens. There is just an explosive, an enormous amount of foam that is created. And that was what they're trying to do, to set a world record of the amount of foam, the volume of foam. So let me, here's what I'm going to tell you. If you want to go watch this on YouTube, do. It's, it's really kind of fun, and you can find it. It's the YouTube World Record Elephant Toothpaste. You'll, you'll see it. It's there. I think there's like 26 million views of this, uh, of this video. It went viral like crazy. But here's what I want. When, when I saw it, and I've been watching these kinds of things for, I don't know, a few weeks or so. Maybe all of us have been watching stuff that maybe would, that would catch our attention. This caught my attention. And I'm telling you, as soon as I started studying this passage of Scripture and I saw this idea of overflowing love, that Paul was praying for overflowing love, this is the image that came to mind. Because it is just like non-stop 
nonstop. It is overflowing. It is an incredible, almost incalculable amounts. I believe that's what Paul's praying for, is a love that abounds more and more, this plentiful, that overflows, that overflows. And, you know, frankly, nothing, nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing will sustain and deepen our joy regardless more than a divine explosion of, div- of, of the agape love of God in our hearts. I'm praying, I want to pray that for you, but I also want to pray that in my life, and I want you to pray that in your life. Lord, let your love overflow in my life. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen dynamically in your life. Think about this love of God overflowing in just extraordinary ways, explosive waves in our lives. That's what Paul's praying for. And I think one way that we could kind of define what that looks like, he would write to the Corinthians these words, love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and it's not jealous or envious. Love does not brag, it isn't proud or arrogant, it isn't rude, it is not self-seeking It isn't provoked nor overly sensitive or easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades nor ends. Can we pray that that type of overflowing love is in our lives. I believe that's what Paul is praying for the Philippians. And it would do me well to pray that same prayer over my life. Because something's going to happen. Joy. Joy is there. When I'm praying for the overflowing love of God, and I'm confident that when I pray for the overflowing love of God to be poured out in my life, to just be explosive, there's not going to be a lot of room for anything but the joy of the Lord. When the love of God overflows in our lives, there's no room for anything but joy regardless. Let that be. Think about that. Let the overflowing love of God be a prayer, your prayer, even today. The second thing that Paul prays for is for a growing faith. A growing faith. Paul says in this prayer that you would keep on growing. I love that. And I talk about growing our faith often. Maybe I don't talk about it often enough, but it's something that should be on the forefront of all of our thinking and all of our, all of our pursuits. Have you ever noticed how well weeds grow in your garden? I mean, not only in your garden, they grow in the middle of your grass, they grow in the cracks of the sidewalk, and you know something? Even the littlest of weeds, you pull that thing and you get this, You get this root that just, you go, how in the world can anything that small have such a deep root? And the other thing about them, you pull them, they come back. You pull them, they come back. They are relentless. And they are resilient. Now, honestly, you look through Scripture, there are some things said about weeds in Scripture that aren't particularly good. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the the, the relentlessness and the resilience of weeds. Man, I, I want to have kind of a, a weed-like faith. <laughs> you know, think about it. 
that I'm resilient, that it's always growing, that it's, that it's relentless, that I'm pursuing the things of God nonstop. I, I can't, right now, we've been, we've been in these stay-at-home orders since, I think, the second week of March. We're now in the first week of May. I wonder, could we look back as to where we were at that moment, in this moment right now, have we grown in our faith? I hope I have. And I want to challenge all of us in the time that we have remaining in this stay-at-home order, grow your faith. Grow your faith. Do the things that will build your life of faith. That, that will, that's what Paul's praying for the Philippians, that they would grow in their faith. And you know something, maybe that's a good prayer today that when this time ends this morning, you just get with your family, you just say this prayer, God, help us grow in our faith. What's amazing here is that Paul gives us a couple of different words that help us. He talks about knowledge, the first word. It's a powerful word. And really, it speaks to, I guess you could just say general spiritual knowledge. Now, that's good, but it's, it goes beyond that. And so, once again, you just have to ask this question, Am I just, do I just have a lot of knowledge? It's more than that. It's more than that. It's this growing passion for God. You notice how, how Paul says it. He says that your faith will keep on, keep on growing, not just the the, the gaining of knowledge, but it will continue. It's more than knowledge, and that's what we're going to talk about in a second. But remember, I'm just going to give you a little, a little phrase to remember. It'll be easy for you to remember. We should always be on the grow. Not on the go, on the grow. We should always be on the grow. Will you pray for growth in your life? Pray for resilience. Pray for a, a relentlessness in your pursuit of God. Pray that over your family. Pray that over your children, parents. Pray that over your grandchildren, grandmas and grandpas. Pray that for your neighbors. Pray, for, pray that for that, that person that's just recently come to faith, that they're, they're, they would be always growing in the relationship to God. You know something's gonna be a by, by, byproduct of growing your faith? It's joy, joy. Peter would say this, and this is one of my favorite verses, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever, amen. You know, here's, here's what I truly believe. We grow in proportion to what we know. We grow into proportion to what we know. The more that I know, I can grow, and it is going to allow me to gain greater knowledge and understanding, but you notice how Peter says it? Grow in the grace and knowledge. Grace and knowledge. Help me understand your grace more. But Lord, as I pour myself into your word, as I pray, I pray that the knowledge of who you are, who you are, not just what you've done, who you are will grow. It will increase exponentially in my life. Just like that overflowing, that overflowing love, the same with growing our faith. The second word that Paul uses is understanding. It's an equally powerful word in the New Testament, and it means moral perception, and listen to this, and the ability to know right action in a given situation. Man, that is powerful. Knowing right action in a given situation. Other translations would say it this way, to have a depth of insight. Man, give me a depth of insight, oh God, to kind of understand 
what I need to understand at the right moment. I want to grow my faith. I want your faith to grow just like that. That was Paul's prayer for the Philippians, and it should be the prayer that each of us are praying. You see, Paul was praying that we would grow in our understanding, that we would know what to do, how to act, what to say, how to speak correctly in every given situation. Wow, what a pursuit to keep on growing our faith. There's a scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. There's this, in 2 Chronicles 12, there's a list of all of the tribes of Israel and the, the fighting men that are being provided. And this is what we read about the men of Issachar. From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. Listen to this. And all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. It's powerful. They had depth of insight. They had understanding. So when Paul is saying grow your faith, he's saying grow it in your knowledge, but grow it in understanding. Grow in depth of insight. Let more than just the head knowledge, as it were. Let this get into your heart. Ask, ask God to help me grow my faith, to, be, to, to, be, to understand more of who you are, God, and, and help me to know what to do, when to do it, what to say, when not to speak. God can help us grow our faith, and when we do, believe joy, joy is an outcome. The third thing this morning is that pray, I wanna, Paul was praying for discernment, discernment. And again, this is an amazing prayer that we can pray over our pray for us. When we pray for us, God, give me discernment. Give me discernment. I loved, uh, I, well, I still do, I think, but I just haven't done it in a long time. I love the game Trivial Pursuit. And I know some of you out there would be just like me. Yeah, I love that game. That was, that was fun. Now, it's still around. I haven't played it in, in years. I loved it. And, you know, it's just you answer questions, kind of these random questions, a variety of categories. And when you answer one right and you get a certain amount, you get this little wedge you put in your, that's your, that shows that you've conquered that one segment of knowledge, as it were. And, and, but here's, here's what I want that's really interesting to me. The, the name is Trivial Pursuit. Trivial Pursuit. That's curious. Trivial means of little or no value or of little value or importance, excuse me, of little value or importance. In other words, it's just not a lot of value to it. There's just not much there. I think some of, some of you who played the game say, yeah, that's for sure, it was trivial, I don't care about it. Others like me, you just absolutely love it. You say, well, what does that have to do with discernment? Well, here's, here's what I want you to, to catch. By some estimates, we make about 35,000 decisions a day. That's a lot of decision. Now, some of them don't really have a lot to do with, you know, anything terribly important. But understand this. But, when, but some of them do. Some of them do. And, and then we're, we're faced with, how are we going to respond to this? How are we going to answer it? You see, what Paul says here, this idea of discernment, here's another way. This is how, he, this is how the New Living translates it. For I want you to understand what really matters. To be able to decide between what is trivial and what is critical. Trivial or what's important. And to determine, to determine that, I need, I need to pray to that end. God, help me understand that which is important. 
so that I can have discernment. And I, and I would say that when our love is overflowing and when we're growing our faith, we're going to have a better grasp of what is really important, what really matters, and that which does not. And so we have, Paul helps us, and he starts off by using some words, pure and blameless. And they're very, they're very much, they're very similar. But the word pure is a, is a wonderfully unique word. It's used here in only one other place in the New Testament. And there's a couple of different ways this word was uh, the, the, the foundation, or rather the formation, the formulation of this word. One of the, the ways this word came into existence was sculptors. And they were kind of shady sculptors. They would use a, not a particularly perfect piece of stone. And they would cut the sculpture, but then they would take wax and they would put in the cracks and the imperfections. And they would paint over the statue. Now, okay, that, and so it looked good, but when you put it out into the sun, something happened. The sun would begin to peel away the paint and melt the wax. So all the defects were seen. So this word pure comes from the word sun-tested, S-U-N, tested, sun-tested. And so think about it in light of our own lives. We're praying for discernment, but we start with purity and blamelessness. Man, I want to be sun-tested. Lord, let, let the light of your glory, who you are, shine on my life and Lord, reveal all those things that shouldn't be there. What's going to happen? It's going to help us discern the things that really matter. We're going to be, in a way, cleaned so that we can discern more of who God is and what God wants in our lives and wants to do through our lives. The second way that that word came into existence was the Greek word used for a, uh, that, would, that was used to shake a sieve, essentially, to shake back and forth, to and fro, so that all of the impurities would fall out and it would only leave the pure material. Wow. You see, what Paul is praying, he's praying for purity and blamelessness in the lives of the folks in Philippi. For what end? To what end? So that they would be able to discern what really matters. When our lives are pure and right before God, we have a different outlook on life. I think it also preserves or deepens and sustains our joy. The Apostle Peter would say it this way, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Look at this, you ought to live holy, holy and godly lives. You see, purity will sustain and deepen our joy. I need to know, I need to know, I need to discern what is right, what really matters. The, the second thing that Paul says here is fruitful lives. He says, to be pure and blameless, and then fruitful lives. He talks about that we would have righteous character. And that that righteous character would be evident in, in, as people would see us. They would observe, they would hear us when we speak. They would observe us as we are out in life with our family. Righteous character, that our lives would be fruitful. And frankly, as Christ followers, our relationship with Jesus should be very evident in everything that we do and say. The fruit, of light, the fruit of right living should be obvious. It should be obvious. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and verse 16. He said in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see 
so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. The third thing that Paul says here in regards to discernment, when, as we're praying for discernment, he's praying for them to be discerning, and we are praying that we would be discerning, we would be pure and blameless, that our lives would be, would be fruitful lives for one reason, and that's to glorify God. God, help my life bring glory and honor to you. What a prayer to pray each day. And you see, when we do that, if, if I'm praying, God, I want my life to glorify you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out the things that really matter. I'm being discerning. God can help you with that. God can help me with that. And I want that more than anything. And I trust you do as well. A prayer for discernment. We began today with this phrase. Prayer is essential to joy regardless. I cannot expound upon that more. That is a powerful phrase to remember. We need to be people that pray, but we need to be people of prayer. And we need to, we need to pray in such a way that, just use this, using these three things. Let's make sure that our, our focus is on others, not just us. But it doesn't mean that we miss praying for us. And we've just talked about that. And make sure as well that our motives are right. But then pray for the overflowing love of God. Pray that, you're, that we would be growing in our faith and pray for discernment. Man, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that if these are the foundations and the, focuses of, the focus of our prayer and, and the elements of our prayer, something great's gonna happen within us. Joy, regardless, is going to be evident in our lives. Corey Tenboom who was a uh, Holocaust survivor in World War II. Uh, just a, an, amazing, an amazing story. This is what she, she wrote, and it's so, really, it's so very good. She said, it's asked a question really, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? <laughs> I love that. Is it your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? When I look at that phrase, I'll just say it. I want prayer to be my steering wheel. I want prayer to be that which directs my life rather than what just repairs something that has occurred maybe in difficult times or tragic or however it might be. And I pray that for you this morning. So I would ask today, is, is prayer an essential in your life? Because Paul is saying, Prayer needs to be right in the center of our lives. And we need to pray for the overflowing love of God to be poured out in our lives in abundance. We need to pray that our faith is growing. And we need to pray for discernment in all things. So let that be on your heart today. And let's let the prayer, the, the prayers that we pray be a steering wheel and not a spare tire. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for our time together today. And Lord, we just, we just make a new declaration and a new commitment to be people of prayer. Lord, when we do, I believe joy is an, is an outcome. Joy regardless. When we pray, we have so much more opportunity for joy to be that which defines us, characterizes us. And all of these things, we thank you. Help us to pray for overflowing love. 
that our faith would grow and that we would have discernment. Lord, keep our focus, not to ignore the needs that we have, but Lord, I pray that we would be others focused and that our motives would be right. And Lord, that we truly would be people of prayer. We thank you. And all of this to bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we bring our morning to a close, that's why I have one question for you today. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Not know about him. You know, we talked a little bit about knowledge. A lot of us have some knowledge of Jesus, but do we know him? Do we have a relationship with him? And today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, can I, I can't think of anything that I would rather do at this moment than to invite you to, to receive Jesus as Savior. That was God's plan to bring us into right relationship with a righteous and holy God was to send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to give his life for us. Remember this verse? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That was the plan of God. And if you, right where you are today, you would just say, Jesus, be my savior. Forgive me of my sin. He will do that. And then, just declare it. I confess you as Savior. I confess you as Lord, and I believe you're alive, and I commit my life to you today. I pray that many of you prayed that prayer. And if you did, we would love to journey this with you. If you'd take just a minute, take out your smartphone, and text us, 951-331-5167. And just say, I chose Christ. I choose Christ and we'll follow up with you and make sure that this, first of all, it's the best decision you've ever made, but we would love to have the opportunity to journey faith with you. You can also use that text number if you have a prayer need of any sort. We would love to hear from you and to be able to partner with you in prayer over the weeks that are ahead. So good to have been with you today. Blessings to you all. And let me remind you one more time, be with us tonight at 5 p.m., for a great time of communion, reflecting around the cross and taking communion together as, as Crossroads Church and our friends and our, our family members, maybe invite them to come and be a part of it too. We look forward to sharing that with you. Until then, blessings to you. We'll see you tonight at 5 p.m. for a great time of communion. Have a great day. Blessings.